Welcome to the Bridge Church Podcast. Our purpose statement at Bridge Church is to reach people where they are and help them grow. We hope today's message inspires you towards growth, and we pray it's life-changing, and we hope to see you soon. Good to see everybody here this morning. If you look on the screen, um, we have our series title, The Move of God. But if you look at the image, the the image is actually uh, a picture of Acts chapter 1. In Acts chapter 1, it is this amazing moment where Jesus has been on the earth for several years, three years at that. He dies, he resurrects. And then after he resurrects, he has this moment where He now is going to ascend to the sky. And the disciples look at him and they are in shock because the same Jesus that they fell in love with and saw miracles from is now ascending into the sky. They had already grieved his death and were surprised by his resurrection. They had 40 days to hang out with him and watch him as a resurrected savior. But now this same savior has resurrected and they're watching him ascend. Think of their fear. Think of their doubt. What is God going to do now? How will this mission continue? And they were probably reminded of the fact that Jesus has just said, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And more likely than not, when Jesus said that in Acts chapter 1-8, when he says the power of the Holy Spirit's gonna come on you and you're gonna be my witnesses, I have no doubt that they thought in their minds, who, me? It is without question that these people were only a hundred folks. They were not kings, they were not prophets, they were not priests, they were not judges. They did not have any influence in society. And one thing that they probably knew without question was that whenever the Spirit of the Lord came upon someone in the Old Testament, they came upon them and they had a special assignment. In other words, the people in the Old Testament that had the Spirit of God on them were special. They were kings and prophets. And so when they heard the Spirit of God is going to be on us, common people, Jesus, you're going to ascend and then you're going to give us all your spirit. The shock and awe they must have felt that these uneducated, untrained, oppressed, marginalized people with no power in society would now be given power from heaven. I thought only special people had power. It's probably what they assumed. But now me, I'm a fisherman. I mean, why would you give me power? I'm a tax collector rejected by my community. Why would you give me power? There were women in the room who had no power in society. Why would you give us power? It shows that God was doing something different on earth. This move of God would be radically different than other moves that he made. He was not looking for one hero. He was looking for a community that would be like an army of prophets that went out to the world and would radically transform the world. And so when they hear this, the Spirit of God is going to come upon us, they're thinking back to the Old Testament. Well, when you think back, when you think back to someone like Joseph, 
Joseph was filled with the Spirit. And Joseph was given a skill to be an administrator in Egypt so that people would not have a famine. Joseph was able to interpret dreams. Joseph was the one that they always looked to. There's several chapters of him in the book of Genesis. Joseph was filled with the Spirit. I'm going to be filled with the Spirit? Joshua was one of these great commanders in the army of God that leads them into the promised land. He was filled with the Spirit. Gideon. Gideon has an army of 300 people that defeat 135,000 Midianites. God shrinks down his army so that he could get the glory. And these are people that they thought were heroes. There was David. We know David. David is this worshiper and he's writing psalms and he's a, he's, a, he's a military general and he ends up leading people to take over Jerusalem. David writes in such a way that is powerful. He, he, he worships in a way that's powerful. He leads in this powerful way. David was filled with the spirit of God. David. And then when you think about Jesus, Jesus comes on the scene in Luke chapter four. In Luke chapter four, it, it says that Jesus reads this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of our Lord's favor. If you notice there, Jesus says, the Lord's spirit is upon me. And then he talks about all the things that God would have him to do. And so if you hear Acts chapter 1, understand that Jesus, when he says, you'll be my witnesses, it comes in line of all this Old Testament thinking. God's power would be attached to his assignment. And the indwelling of the Spirit was that you could fulfill an assignment. God was not just distributing power because he felt like, I, I guess these people need power. The power was for an assignment. That's why you have the filling of the Spirit. So that means that when we read Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we will be witnesses. Maybe we've interpreted that wrong to think, oh, I just need to tell people about Jesus. Testifying about Jesus certainly needs power. But maybe witnessing is a special assignment from the Lord. Just as special as what David did. Just as special as what Gideon did, just as special as what Joseph did, just as special as what Christ himself did, because it's the same spirit in them that would be in us. So maybe we look at witnessing wrong because we think it's going out and telling the world about Jesus. That is it in part. But what does it mean to be a witness? Being a witness is when you've had a firsthand encounter with Jesus and it is also the power to live like him. <laughs> Anybody can tell, you, don't, you could be a historian and tell people about Jesus. You could just be into deep facts and tell people about Jesus. The witness is also matched with an encounter with Jesus. And what we do as believers is we come together as people who have had an encounter with Jesus and we actually continue to testify about the power of Jesus in our lives, not just when I came in Christ, but I'm talking about Tuesday, when he, when he changed my mind, when my mind was going crazy. Tuesday, I, I experienced the power of Jesus and then it's through our witness that our witness is not just telling people out there, we also witness to one another. 
Because we, listen, I've had a firsthand encounter with Jesus. We don't need people to tell us about the artifacts and the, histor- his, the historistics of Jesus. We're talking about, I have met him. I know him. And, I've know, and, and he touched me on Wednesday again. <laughs> Man, Thursday. I, I talked to him again on Thursday. And the things he did for me on Thursday, you understand? So it's not just that we, wit- we have the spirit of God not just to go out, but to empower also within some of you know I'm, I'm uh, in school, and as in school, eh, I'm taking some classes on trauma, and um, one, of the, one of the aspects of trauma is addictions, and so they, uh, they asked me to join a uh, Alcoholics Anonymous class, and so I joined one, uh, not joined it for the sake of it, but joined it, <laughs> clarity, <laughs> to be a to watch what was happening, not because I needed it. And as I, uh, you know, it, it, was, it was on Zoom, it was very interesting, it was about 130 people on there and it was people from all around and the first woman, her name was Hope and she, her teeth were missing and, and I remember she was, she was slurring her speech and she could barely keep her body, she, she was, you could tell she was leaning into the camera, she could barely keep her body steady as she slurred her speech, she's talked about how hard it is for her to, 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 she keeps relapsing. And the woman that oversaw the time said, thank you so much, Hope, thank you, thank you. She said, I wanna be here, but it's so, such a struggle to be here. And then another person came on and said, listen, I have been in this for 10 years and I'm so excited to be here and I'm just so thankful for you all. And that person just lifted up the room and everybody was so excited and the chat was blowing up and everybody was excited. And then there was a woman named Ona. And Ona was about 60-some years old. And as she sat there in her chair, she said, and I'm changing the names, of course. She said, I am so thankful to be able to be in this room. She said, AA has changed my life. You see, my daughter died three months ago. She was a, and she said she was an incredible woman. She said, my daughter made all the right decisions and I made all the wrong decisions. My daughter went to school, my daughter had a family, my daughter was a great person. I'm the one that did drugs, I'm the one that drank, why should I still live? She said, I should be gone. And she talked about how hard it is to live her life without her daughter. And then she said, but if it had not been for AA, I don't know where I'd be. She said, I come to this community because if I didn't have the new tools from this group, I would be back hitting the bottle again. She said, but now I've learned to grieve with hope because of this group. And I believe our growth group should look a little bit like that. Because we don't need to create a spirit of performance in each group where we are all killing it in Christ. But, but, the, but the truth is, there are weeks you're coming in and you're just barely making it. And there are some of you living victoriously. What I'm trying to communicate to you is God has given us his spirit so we could create the kind of community where we not only have a firsthand encounter with Jesus, but we are able to talk about how the power of Jesus is sustaining us right now. We are God's people. 
But we can't make it throughout the week without one another. And so we are continually, as witnesses of Jesus, we continually experience and encounter the work of Jesus in our lives and we support each other with that power. Without that, then we're just a collection of people that come into a room and talk about Jesus, but we don't talk about the intimate dynamics of Jesus. It's like we're having a history class, but not an intimate encounter. It's with this, I'd like us to turn to the book of Acts because I think in there, we see this new thing that God is doing. He is distributing his spirit amongst all his people. And as he distributes his spirit amongst all his people, we'll not only see them have a firsthand encounter with Jesus, but we'll see them empower one another by the work of the spirit in community. Acts chapter two, Acts chapter two. In Acts chapter two, Peter begins to preach. The people of God are speaking in tongues and literally the people say, these people must be drunk. And Peter is preaching his first sermon and he says, it's not drunk, it's only, it's nine o'clock in the day. He starts off with a joke. Wonderful opening to his preaching career. He says, it's too early to get drunk, right? And so the people are wondering, what is it that you all are experiencing? And so Peter, to explain what's happening in the spirit, what he does is he quotes the book of Joel. In Acts chapter two, we see a quote from the book of Joel. He says, and in the last days it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Watch this, your sons, your daughters shall prophesy. And even on my male servants and my female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. The people of God have come around, it's Pentecost, there's thousands of people there and they're seeing these people speak in tongues they're seeing this crowd of this hundred people do all these things in the spirit. And Peter is explaining, this is actually fulfilling what Joel said. That the spirit of God would now be on common people. I want you to notice what he says. He says, first, your sons and your daughters. He does not say men and women. Now, women were part of the lower part of society in that in that world. But the first thing he says is sons and daughters because children were considered even lesser than women. So when you look at it, he says your sons and your daughter. He's starting with the lower rung of society. He says your sons and your daughters. He doesn't say kings and priests. He says sons and daughters will prophesy. But he goes even lower than that because he says not even that, the lowest rung of society would be your servants. He says even your male and your female servants will prophesy. He's saying slaves will now be prophets of God. And he's trying to imagine a place where what if God's people, what if all God's people had his spirit and when he says prophesied, meaning what if all of God's people could tell the truth of who Jesus is? There's a great story in the book of Numbers. There's a story of Eldad and Medad, and I'm sure you don't know who those people are, and that's okay. Joshua is there, and he sees these two guys prophesying in the camp. Their names are Eldad and Medad, and, and Joshua's like, who are these people? We don't even know them. Why are they prophesying? They're, Moses, you the prophet. What, they're still in your shine, Moses. What, what, what should we do? Because this, these dudes, Eldad and Medad, are prophesying. And you know what Moses says? Moses, watch, he says in Numbers eleven twenty nine. 29, 
Would that all the Lord's people, people were prophets, that the Lord would put his spirit on them. Moses dreamed of a day. He says, I am not jealous of two people prophesying in the camp. He's saying, I wish the whole camp were prophets. And he's saying, I'm dreaming of a day. Moses says, I'm dreaming of a day of if the weight wasn't just on me to declare of who God is. What if everyone, instead of following the pillar, of the pillar was inside of us? What if the fire wasn't out there? What if the fire was in all of us? Maybe I am not the only one needs to explain who God is. What if we all could explain who God is to the world? Moses dreamed of this day. Joel prophesied of this day. And what that means for us as the people of God, you've got to know this. When it talks about prophets, it's talking about Isaiah and Jeremiah and Nahum and Habakkuk and the others are mighty prophets, but we are not waiting on a new prophet. We don't need another heroic, articulate leader. We don't need an athlete or an entertainer. We don't need someone famous and we don't need someone influential. All we need is for the people of God to be filled with the spirit. And when God's people make a decision, that we will do what God calls us to do. We become an army of prophets, declaring who God is. We are his witnesses, not just people who have had a firsthand encounter, but people who are able to live out the life of Christ, broken, of course, struggling, of course, but yet it is our desire to have Christ be seen in all of our lives. Moses says, man, I wish they were all prophets. Joel says, a day is coming. Peter says, today's the day. The spirit of God is here. You know, I think one of the things that is confusing for us is that when we see, I bring up Eldad and Medad, because do you know how many people in the Bible we've forgotten about? I mean, there's a hall of faith, right, in the book of Hebrews, but there's tons of little names that we forget. What I'm trying to tell you is there's more little names we've forgotten in the Bible or we can't pronounce. You know those names you just like, eh, you know, your mouth starts to move all types of ways. All these people we can't pronounce, all these people we don't know in the Bible, there's more of them than the big names. And I think we tend to think God's assignment is attached to being known to the world. In fact, I would better yet to say the assignment isn't to be known by the world, but it is to make God known to the world. And, and I think far too often we are wanting God to give us a big name. But I just want you to know, everybody who had a big name in the Bible had big suffering. Just want you to know that. Put that in your back pocket. It was, it was, it was not a, nobody, nobody. Nobody walked into a platform and had a stage. They went, it was always the suffering before the glory. You remember Joseph, you know, uh, when he's like working with the, uh, the Pharaoh. You remember that part. Don't forget he was in prison. Just don't forget that part. And one part of his life, he was confused for a long time saying, where is God? I just want you to know that. The assignment, so God's assignment for you may not be huge in terms of man's recognition. But you, listen to me, you have a special assignment from the Lord. And you may not feel that right now. You may look in the mirror and say, me? Who, me? 
That's exactly what the disciples did. The disciples, I mean, Peter is the most rebuked person in all the gospels. He makes the most mistakes. What was it like when Peter stood up and started to preach? They were like, oh Lord, what's he about? <laughs> Don't you have a family member like that where you're just like, oh, what's he about? Is he always talking? And then Peter starts to preach and they're just like, oh, okay. Because they saw something inside of him was happening. And I'm, t- I'm trying to tell you, you've made your life if you, you, many, too many of us have assigned our lives by our human goals, we've attached our assignment to our, our, our talents and our backgrounds and our experiences. You know, I'm in, a, I'm in a, a doctoral program right now and somebody asked me the other night, how did you end up being in a doctoral program? I'm like, I am following the Lord. I don't like to read a lot. Like, I don't, do you understand? I'm not a big education guy, but I feel like God wants me to do this. Do you understand what I'm telling you? I always say this, y'all think I'm kidding. My wife will attest, if God said move to Atlanta so we could have a bigger house and pay less rent, we would do that. (laughs) We're not here for convenience, we're here for calling. And I'm saying God is God, has called you to a special assignment. There is the same spirit of the special assignments in the Old Testament is the same spirit inside you with a special assignment. It may not be a recognized assignment, but it's a special assignment. It may not be a celebrated assignment, but it's a special assignment. It might be assignment inside of an office, but it's a special assignment. And if if that office has you in it, it has the Holy Ghost in it. And God's power has you on assignment. All that God's people would all be prophets. All that God's people would all be filled with his spirit. All that God's people would see the special assignment of the Lord on their life. How much would the world change if we had an army of prophets? Peter, then after telling them what's been happening, he tells them, all these people that are around in Jerusalem who are watching God's people pray and declare God's goodness. He's saying that this is the spirit of God. That's what's happening. But then he looks out at the crowd and he begins to preach. And what Peter's essentially going to do is saying, you all need to have an encounter with Jesus too. He's going to look dead at them and say, you must have an encounter. If you, want, you, you can't just know about Jesus. You have to have an encounter with Jesus. Peter says in Acts chapter 2, verse 22, men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definitive plan and foreknowledge of God, watch this, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. I want you to notice, church, Peter begins to preach, and as he preaches, he does not just talk about Jesus 
He talks about Jesus and he talks about how Jesus was crucified. And I want you to notice in verse 23, he says he was delivered up according to the definitive plan, the foreknowledge of God. He said he was killed by the hands of lawless men, but he also says you crucified him. <laughs> now, these people are coming from all around Judea. And notice Peter says men of Jerusalem, and he also will later mention Judea. Um, I'm sure they weren't all there when Jesus was crucified. So I'm sure a few of them were just like, who, me? I, did, I didn't do anything. Why are you telling me this? So we must understand what's happening with the cross. Three things. In, in this message, we see God's plan, evil men, and our sin. Notice he says in verse 23, Jesus was delivered up because of the definitive plan and the foreknowledge of God. In other words, Peter says, here's the first thing you've got to know. This was a plan before the foundation of the world. Jesus, therefore, laid his life down. He was not a victim. Jesus would say in John 10, 17 and 18, for this reason the Father loves me because I lay my life down that I might take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down for my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I've received from my Father. He's saying, I've got this plan, but it is to give my life for a people. And in giving my life, I am intentionally putting myself in harm's way for the benefit of someone else. This is the gospel. It is an innocent man, but this innocent man knew even from his early childhood, one day he would die for our sins. This was a plan, y'all. A plan before the foundation of the world. A plan that he had you in the plan. But I love that Peter didn't leave out the fact that this plan, though this was God's sovereignty, men still were evil. I just love the fact that Peter held people accountable. He noticed, he says, yes, this was a definitive plan of God, but don't miss, he was killed by the hands of lawless men. Judas, sells him. The religious officials, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, Jesus was always challenging them. And then we have the Roman authorities. They saw him as a threat. They created a kangaroo court and they created an unjust system to kill an innocent man. It is so important that you notice, yes, God had a plan, but there were still evil men that did wrong and Jesus did not dismiss the fact. I think that's important for us to know today that oftentimes we can look out in our world and we can see, yes, God has a plan, but we still need to call evil, evil. We still need to hold people accountable for the things that they do, say, or don't do. And so he says, lawless men did it. But the occasion, what was the occasion? Why did Jesus die? Jesus dies not just because they had a plan and not just because of evil men. He died because of our sin. My sin. 
When we take communion, I think there's words that are said that sometimes we may not feel the weight of them. Paul the Apostle in the book of 1 Corinthians says, I received from the Lord what I delivered to you, that Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread. Watch this. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And what does he say? This is my body, which is for who? You. And in some text it says he breaks the bread. Can you imagine being in the room with Jesus and him looking you in the eye and taking a piece of bread and saying, this is what's about to happen, and breaks the bread and he says, for you. This is my body for you. And we must connect the cross to our need for you. That my body is broken for you and your sin is the occasion. And so feel the weight of that because in Acts chapter 2, verse 36, Paul, uh, Peter comes back to that. He says, let all, at the end of his message, he says, let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, that this Jesus whom you crucified. <laughs> now, mind you, church, not everybody was there and not everybody crucified him. But Peter could say it a different way. This Jesus, which was crucified for you, you were the occasion of the crucifixion. You may not have been there, but your sin was the occasion. You may not have rebelled and rejected him, but everyone in that room, though they, everyone that was there during that sermon, though they may not have been right there at the cross that day, all of them were yelling, crucify him. Why? Because they were all rejecting him for who he really was, Lord. And when we reject him as Lord, we are also holding up a fist saying, crucify him. Crucify him. No, no, no. Remove him. Take him away. Because I will, not, I will, I will accept Jesus as a moral teacher, but he cannot be Lord. Crucify him. Put him away. Remove him from my life. Hang him. And though we were not there, when we reject Jesus, we are functionally saying, crucify the Lord. For I will not have a Lord over my life. I will be the Lord over my life. I will lead my own way. And this Jesus, when Peter was preaching, he made it clear, you were the occasion of the crucifixion. Church, you, if you know Jesus, you are filled with his spirit. You are a prophet of God. You are one who tells people about the Lord. Here, Peter is demonstrating for us how to not only give people an opportunity to know about God, but to give people an encounter with God. And if we're going to give people an encounter, we cannot just explain who God is. We've got to let them know you were the occasion. Yes. Unfortunately, we have today so much preaching that seeks to entertain yet not convict. And what we've created are inspiration stations where I come and I can learn how I can make it another day. And don't get me wrong, we are suffering and weeping may endure for a night and joy will come in the morning and we do need encouragement. But we sometimes talk about every need for help except our deepest need, which is our sin. 
because our greatest need was the cross. It wasn't self-help tips and it's not inspiration or how to have a business. Our business with God is the fact that we put him on the cross. And those are the kind of videos that don't get the most plays, but it gets the most play in heaven because it is his blood that was shed for us. And because of his blood, because he died on a cross, that is what has created for us a relationship. Far too often, Church, if you are going to be a prophet of God, if you're going to offer people an encounter with God, or if you are here today and wanting to have an encounter with God, here's what you must know. The people of God, if the people that are meant to be the prophets for God, we are not here to impress people with words. Far too often, preaching is seen as a, a spirit of communication that is meant to be impressive with words. And so what we do is we create this circus where I'm supposed to come up here and impress you with all these words. Too blessed to be stressed. Y'all like that? Y'all like that? And I just juggle all these words. And what I'm doing is I'm doing a bunch of wordplay that makes you laugh and gets you entertained. And, I, and there are churches that are entertaining people all the way to hell. Because all they do is try to impress you. And I don't mean that only only for people that inspire. There are people that try to impress you with intellect. They tell you all the background. They tell you how much dirt was on Jesus's feet. They tell you all the, what was the trajectory of the wind at the cross and all these details and, and, and intellect is good and inspiration is good, but we've got to invite people into a relationship with Jesus. The goal is not to impress you with words. The goal is to invite you into a relationship, to have an encounter with Christ. And I, I, let me say, I believe that much of the reason so many people have left the church these last three years is because it's not, it's clear to me that they were members of a church, but it's not clear to me they were members with Christ. Because in many ways, now listen, the church has done wrong and the church did a lot of things bad, but I'm just saying it's a mixed bag. Because if you've had an encounter with Jesus, he's hard to shake. I tried to shake him. I've been, uh, listen. I tried to shake him. I did. I was like, let me go. He was like, no, sir. <laughs> I've, I've tried to dodge that brother quite a few times. He's Lord. He's Lord. He's Lord. He's Lord. He's Lord. He's Lord. And so I don't let a broken church get into the, in the way of my intimacy with Jesus. Find a new church. Find a new community. The church is broken, but God is good. Both are true. Both are true. Both are true. And so <laughs> these people hear this, and I want you to look what happens in verse 37. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. They said, Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I want to make a note that once they receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, they start loving each other in community, not speaking in tongues. 
So that's an important delineation because people will take the first part of the chapter and say tongues is an evidence of salvation, but they won't read the last part of the chapter where they did not speak in tongues. They started loving each other because the evidence of Christ in you is love, not tongues. So, so notice, notice what happens. They were cut to the heart. Communi- witnessing, when I tell you about Jesus, I am asking the Holy Spirit to be a surgeon while I speak. That he would get in between everything I'm saying, every motive that you have, all the ins and outs, all the ups and downs, all the questions. I'm not trying to like impress you or persuade you. I'm just trying to tell you who Jesus is. And I had a firsthand encounter, but it is the Holy Ghost that's gonna get in there and do the surgery. They said, I've been cut to the heart. Have you ever been cut to the heart? Maybe you were reading the word of God and you, you said, ooh. <laughs> you know, there's been times I've been preaching and someone's come up to me and be like, how'd you know? I said, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I think you're having a moment with Jesus. I did not read your diary. I don't even know your name. I just know the same Holy Spirit inside of you has cut you to the heart. Yes. Every time we communicate Jesus, about Jesus, the Holy Ghost is doing a surgical mission on the heart. So know that we just can't be satisfied with dazzling the mind. Know that we just can't be satisfied when people move their feet. What must happen is there must be a cut to the heart. It is through the heart that people are transformed. And so they said, what do we do? And he said, be baptized. I wanna just make one quick note before we get ready to close. You know, many of you have heard about our foundations class. We've done this foundations class um, if, if you were to come to the altar today, or if you decide you want to get baptized today, we have done a foundations class that we open up every month for people because what we have found is so many people over the years, this is our ninth year as a church, so many people we've seen get baptized, a month later, we don't see them no more. And what we found is they didn't have a root. They were inspired in a moment but they needed some kind of traction, some kind of understanding of what they were doing. So if you notice, right after this verse, when they say, what should we do? He says, repent and be baptized. But then look in verse 42 through 47, all of a sudden, they're in community. And our job, what we wanna do is we wanna immediately place people in community so that they would not be trying to live the Christian life alone. I believe when you get baptized, that's your most vulnerable state. That's when people you haven't talked to in years call you again. That's when old fears come back again. And so that's when you need, the Bible says that we are born again. That's when you're an infant again. You need that support. And so look what happens in verse 42 through 47 as we get ready to close. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayers and awe came over every soul. Many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And look at verse 44, and all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they had need. And day by day they were attending the temple together and breaking bread in homes. The believers there are reading and listening and thinking about what the apostles teach. They're praying and they're eating together and they're loving each other. And then they say to themselves, hey, does anybody got any needs? 
So they start selling their possessions and distributing the money to anybody that has need. That's the first work that happened in the church. So when Jesus says, go out and witness, do you know the first thing they did? They started loving one another. And I believe that we are not living out what the Bible calls us to do if we want to run outside and witness to the world, but we haven't witnessed to the love of God to one another. Do you understand what is, how intimate, how intimate do I need to need, need to be with you to know that you have a financial need? That's deep. Because I know some people be broke, be like, I'm fine. I'm good. No, you're not. Your bank account's sitting there like, we in the red, red. And, and what kind of love does it take to sell your possessions and to take the money and to say, do you need it? That is a different kind of love, but what I, what, what, what I believe happened is when you know that Jesus laid his life down for you, what happens to you? You lay your life down for other people. And this is what, this is what 1 John says. By this we know love, that he laid his life down for us. You know what we ought to do, church? We ought to lay down our lives for the brothers, for sisters. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? First John says, how can you say you love God and see your brother in need? Don't you know he laid his life down? For you and I, didn't you have a first-hand encounter with Jesus? Don't you know the occasion of the cross was for you? We are his witnesses. And we tell the world who Jesus is. And our first step is to praise God for what he's done. But our second step is to be able to support one another. Some of you all are in growth groups. I pray that in your group, you all are experiencing support and connection. But if you're not in a group, I pray that you find other believers because the Christian life, to live it alone, is to put yourself in harm's way. I need to be reminded of the goodness and mercy of the Lord. I need some other people. This is why we have people come up and sing. I need to be reminded of God's grace. Each day we testify to one another. And so we are his witnesses. We are witnessing to each other and to the world. And I pray that we would fulfill Moses' dream. Oh, that there would be an army of prophets sent out to the world. Oh, that God's spirit would flood the earth through his people. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask you in your name that you would bless this message. Allow the Holy Spirit surgeon to do what only he can do. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me? Would you stand with me? I want to invite an opportunity. As I was preaching, there's a chance that the Holy Spirit was working on some of you. Not just a believer, but if today you've come here and maybe you've gone to church or maybe you've had different church experiences, but I want to invite the person that does not feel like Jesus is Lord, the leader of your life, the person that you are following day by day. We all need leadership. You're either trying to lead yourself or you're going to give Jesus the leadership over your life. 
I want to invite you here to the front. Anyone today that wants to make Jesus Lord, I want you to come to the altar. We want to create an opportunity for you to give your life to the Lord. Is there one here today that you want today to be the day that you have given your life over to Christ? Is there one that you want to be more certain of your walk with God? And you want to know the certainty that Jesus is leading your life. Is there one here today? Is there one that you want to be certain? Is there one? Oh, this is such a great opportunity. You may not feel compelled to come to the front, but I want to pray for you. If there is one here that they don't feel their feet moving yet, but maybe your heart has been moved. I want to pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask you right now, move on your people and move on the one, move on the one that hasn't moved to the front yet, but they feel distant from you. They feel they're wandering from you. They feel confused about their walk with you. And they're not sure that you're the leader of their life. Lord Jesus, I ask you right now, convict their heart, cut them to the heart so that they might make you Lord. For it is their sin and my sin and our sin that is the occasion of the cross. Remind us in Jesus' name. Amen. Others of you today, you may not have felt compelled to come to the front, but there may be some of you today where you're acknowledging I'm actually starting again with Jesus. I may not feel I need to come to the altar, but I have to admit I am starting again. And if that's the case, then you may want to have the opportunity to be baptized. If that's the case for you, if you'd like to be baptized, we want you to text the word faith to 55444. Text the word faith to 55444, and then we'll end up putting you in a class and then that will also put you in a position to be baptized. God bless you. We hope this message was encouraging to you. We invite you to send us an email at info at bridgechurchnyc.com so we can hear how God used this message to speak to you. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Our handle on all our social media platforms is at BridgeChurchNYC. Our website is BridgeChurchNYC.com. If you're in the New York City area, we would love to see you on a Sunday. Our services are at 10.30 a.m. and noon on Sundays at 345 Adams Street in downtown Brooklyn. Thanks for listening to our podcast today, and we hope to see you soon.